welcome back everyone. This week on the Dakota Student Podcast, we are going to be talking about all things money, money exchanges, um, credit cards, graduating debt-free, some student money-saving tips and all things like that. So today I am joined by Claire Welts, Dominique Menard, and Demetrius Litt. How are you guys today? We're doing good. Doing well here. Awesome. So going into the spring semester, I know like money and just being a student in general is really tough financially. I know for myself, um, it's always a big stressor that's on my mind. Um, I am Canadian, so I have to worry about things like Canadian money, but I know that everyone's finances are different. So how have you guys found navigating finances through your college years? So I am a third year student. However, I'm graduating this summer. So like I'm technically a senior. I will finish my degree in three years though. And that's been really interesting where I've been, I'd planned to be in college for four years, but getting out a year early is, it's nice financially to know that I'll be I'll stop spending money on tuition and just being in college, but it's also terrifying in the sense of, oh my gosh, what do I do now? I need a big kid job. How am I going to manage my money? What if, what do I do about loans and stuff like that? How am I going to pay all this stuff off? How am I going to handle it? So mm-hmm. that's where I'm at, which I'm sure a lot of people can relate to and just the what now next steps type of thing thinking. Yeah, no, I totally get that. Even yesterday, I've been, I'm graduating this spring, so I only have a few more months left. And now it's kind of like, wow, this is happening so quickly. I really will be going out there into the world. And I feel like all of my money has been spent on things like rent and tuition that even just going out into the world for the first month and having to pay rent while just starting at an entry level job where I'm not going to be paid for a few weeks, even things like that is really stressful to just get things going. No, I totally agree with what you guys are saying. I kind of am in a different position, which I can assume that a lot of people are in right now as well. I chose the route after my undergrad degree to go to graduate school. And so I'm in the boat now of stressing about how much debt I'm accumulating with higher tuition rates with graduate school. And so that has been something that adds a lot of stress into my life as well. Like just like the thought of in a year or so for me, I'll be getting ready to graduate and how much more money I'll be having to shell out then um, is a scary thought. So I agree with what you guys are saying. Yeah, I'm considering potentially grad school. So I... Oh gosh, need your guidance on that. But part of that's so terrifying for me in the sense of, yep, you're going to be spending more money, but is getting my master's more likely to land me a job? Or is it actually a deterrent to some employers in my industry? Because I think they pay me more because I have this master's. Obviously, I'll be spending money to pay for this and not exactly making a ton of money at the same time. And just, oh my gosh, all the factors in the unknown is kind of terrifying. Yeah, that's definitely scary. I even was yesterday when I was looking at like 
apartments and all of these things and jobs for after school. I don't know if I just had like a random thought or regret because I was overwhelmed thinking about life after college. And I maybe had a split second thought of maybe I should have like double majored. Like I did communications because I'm super interested in journalism and editing in particular, but I've also taken a ton of courses in the English department just because they kind of what I want to do kind of goes hand in hand with that. I love reading. I love editing. And I think that the world of like publishing is really interesting as well. So I almost had a moment of regret of not double majoring. And then I thought, well, what if I stayed in school for another year to get that other major so I could possibly have more career paths open, even though they're kind of similar along the same lines, it would be nice to have that other piece of paper you know, to show employers, but do I stay in school another year and pay two more semesters of tuition, which is huge? Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. I get that. I, I feel like though I'm, so I'm from North Dakota, so I pay in-state tuition here. And um, honestly, UND is relatively, inexpensive comparative to going out of state for other students um but like it's just so stressful in the sense of oh I still have I'm still paying tuition here the scholarships I'm getting I switched my major um so I so I feel you broke in the sense of well what if I just had stuck with this what if I had another piece of paper but um it gets really stressful in the sense of like oh these scholarships didn't come through or how am I going to pay for this um I will admit that I do have a credit card. Um, to be completely honest, I kind of assumed that most students did. Um, that's not necessarily how I'm paying for college, but it's something I have. Where are you guys at with that type of thing? Are you only debit cards? Are you both? That type of thing. I guess we can also talk about student loan stuff too. But I have both. But being Canadian, my debit card doesn't work down here. It doesn't work in the States. So I got a credit card my first year. So I was a freshman. That's when I got my first credit card. So I use my credit card for any purchase or transaction that I make. I don't touch my debit card anymore because it just, it doesn't work in America. It's a Canadian debit card, but my credit card works everywhere. So I only use my credit card and I just make sure I kind of use it like a debit card. I just purchase something and then I pay it off like every week. Um, So I only use a credit card, which is kind of nice because I'm constantly, you know, building my credit score and things like that. However, There has been times when like I have had to use it in more emergency situations where I wouldn't have been able to use my debit card even if it had worked just because I needed some emergency money. And then to have that amount sitting on there while still having to use that credit card for everything else like gas and groceries and just small little purchases, it does add up really quickly if I can't pay it off as regularly. Yeah, I'm in a similar boat too of I just pay mine off every month, essentially using it like a debit card. I really don't use it for any like, you know, major transactions that I wouldn't be able to just have money in the bank for immediately. 
barring emergency circumstances. You touched on though, like building your credit. Demi, you wrote an article that's currently on the Dakota student a couple months ago. Um, so you're you're more of a resident expert on that. What do you what do you think about debit versus credit cards? How are you building your credit? What's the benefits of that? Can you tell us more about that? I mean, I wouldn't say I'm an expert, but I know that just getting a credit card as early as possible is the best way, one of the best ways to build your credit. And a debit card is essentially just a bank card. So it's not doing too much. There are like a million different credit cards out there, especially ones that are specifically aimed at students like Discover Student Credit Card, which is the one that I have. That's what I have too. Sorry. (laughs) And that gives me like monthly discounts or uh, just uh, monthly cash back opportunities that I'm able to utilize if I want. It also gives me the opportunity to like refer other people like most credit cards. Uh, My partner's been trying to get me to peddle his referral code so that he can get money and other people can get money. And I think it's kind of funny. Yeah, that, that, that is funny. I I got my Discover um, student card going into my freshman year of college. And I guess what I found the most interesting about that is like, I didn't need a co-signer. That's not the correct terminology, but like my dad or my mom didn't need to be on that account with me. It's very much just my own. And so it's it's kind of scary to think that, you know, just about anyone could have a credit card. Because, I mean, we all hear these horror stories of people, you know, in mountains of debt. I mean, honestly, that's a reality for a lot of college students just of paying tuition. But, I mean, you hear about adults who just, you know, just keep buying and buying and buying. Or, I mean, having emergency after emergency that may be needing that finance, but just how quickly that catches up to you. So um, that's kind of terrifying to me. I remember when I first got it, I was like, am I really like qualified to have this much spending power? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I guess though, when it comes to like building your credit, uh, Brooke, you had kind of mentioned that like when it comes to, you're going to be graduating soon. You'll, I don't know where you'll be living. I mean, I'm graduating soon as well and hoping to relocate building your credit really helps for like applying for um, like an apartment lease. Right. Yeah. And so part of me, part of me is really glad that I have that credit card. You obviously have one as well. So that helps you. But mm-hmm. I, I don't really know what I, what I would have done, how I'd, how to be, how I'd apply for an apartment without that. Yeah. And I'm not really, this is going to be my first time living anywhere off of like a university campus. I lived with my parents growing up and then I lived on the university campus in the dorms and then in a sorority house. So I've never lived like just off in an apartment or a house by myself really. So that that's all very new to me. So it's going to be interesting for sure. But I am very excited. It's, it's definitely been on my mind a lot since the start of the semester, um, just because I feel like everything's coming up so fast. Mm-hmm. No, I I get that. I um, so I lived in the dorms my freshman year, 
I got an off-campus apartment my sophomore year. Um, I'm back in the dorms this year. Uh, I was hoping to study abroad, blah, 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 blah. Long story, didn't go. Um, however, I remember when I moved into my apartment my sophomore year, um, I made this giant Excel sheet with my roommates of, you know, who was bringing what, blah, blah, blah. But um, something that quickly caught up to me was just having to buy stupid stuff that I hadn't anticipated just because I, I don't know, I hadn't thought about it ahead of time. Um, like, um, you'll laugh, but like a shower curtain with like the little rings, you know, that like hold it up on the, on like yeah. the curtain rod. Like, okay, I have not, <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking. I just had it. Or I mean, on um, different like cleaning supplies. Um, I remember like, we hadn't thought like, oh, maybe we need, like some like coat hooks or something for like, you know, we walk in and that, that caught up to me my first couple of months. Um, I tried to thrift a lot of things. That's my go-to in general. I mean, environmentally friendly, saving money, we'll take it. Um, I thought it actually gave my apartment a lot of character though, in the sense of like, I was slowly making this my own. So yeah, yeah. that's something to be aware of when, once you finally get your own place. Um, yeah. I actually store quite a bit of my stuff back home. Like I got my kitchen table at a garage sale. Um, I got a table and three chairs, not four, three. Our fourth chair is a folding folding chair. Really cute. Uh, but I paid 30 bucks for all of it. So, I mean, that's still sitting back at home. So moving all that around will be an adventure. But yeah. Yeah, that's definitely like a, a money stressor that I'm starting to have is because I've lived in a dorm and, you know, places where I've really only had my bedroom just to myself. Like I don't have a lot of things, you know, I have a few little random things that you might like purchase yourself in a dorm, but all of the furniture and everything like obviously doesn't belong to me. Like I don't own a desk. I don't own a dresser or anything. I'm going to have to move and I'm going to have to, you know, accumulate all of these things and probably pretty quickly if I'm looking to, you know, get settled in somewhere and live there comfortably, I'd like to have like a kitchen table or something. So I definitely think that that's a huge, one of the, biggest stressors for graduating students like on top of paying things like student loans and everything you basically have to fund setting up your whole life because a lot of people don't have any of those things leaving college. Dominique what was your experience in did you do your undergrad at UND did you have to relocate well what was that like for you you're a bit more senior in this aspect of having to potentially up and move relocate set up being an adult paying for all that so I'm actually originally from the Minnesota area um but I did do my four years here at UND and I've had pretty similar experiences to what you guys have said um I started in the dorms and then I transitioned into a sorority house here at UND and so when living in those areas I uh didn't have to buy really anything besides you know my bedding and things like that um but then I transitioned into an apartment and now recently uh, within the last year, I moved into a house and the amount of things that you need to buy uh, is just astonishing. Like you guys have said, I live in a house now. I mean, even compared to an apartment and we have two living rooms, we have a kitchen, we have our whole bedroom and all those things that you need to buy just like feel functional. 
and like that you want to like come home to your house. Like nothing is worse than like a day, like a really long day and then not feeling like you can like go home and relax because you don't have like the things to do it on. Um, so it's, it's definitely been an adventure. It's been a lot of money <laughs> to buy all these things that you just need, which is just crazy to think that like the things that you need to like be okay and functional, I guess, is just so much money. And it is a big burden, especially in college when, I mean, we don't really have a lot of money coming in besides, you know, maybe the part-time job that you have, but a lot of money coming out. So it's just daunting, I think. Um, but I guess my biggest advice is just slowly starting to accumulate it. Um, just slowly. And, you know, buying one big lump sum purchase can be really daunting. But when I started, when we picked out our house, we just slowly started, you know, okay, so we have a bigger kitchen table because there's more of us and we got a second couch and just smaller purchases at a time. It just, it makes it feel less stressful, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there's always like, as I said, thrifting, garage sales, stuff like Facebook Marketplace is always super helpful too. But Facebook Marketplace is definitely great. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I agree. I agree. Um, I always felt though, but it was often like I told you about the like the um the rings for the shower curtain, the shower curtain. One of the other things I really remember missing in my apartment that I just remember thinking this is so stupid is one time we were like baking like sugar cookies and we didn't have a rolling pin. And it was just something none of us had considered that like, oh, maybe we should like, you know, put this on the list to like pick up at like the dollar store or, you know, thrift or bring one home that your mom has a spare of. And I remember we like made sugar cookies and essentially like rolled them out using like cans of like soda or like, I think we ended up using one of my roommates like water bottles because we just didn't have anything else. So some of that creativity and making, making stuff work definitely needed. Brooke, do you want to tell us a little bit more about your Canadian exchange rates? Are you planning on living in the U.S. post-grad or going back to Canada? How does that affect like work visas, stuff like that? How are yeah. you managing money from that perspective? So this is still kind of definitely something that's up in the air for me and that I'm really starting to get going on is looking into things like work visas and how I can stay in the States because I am interested in staying here. Hopefully not Grand Forks in particular, but I would like to stay here um, and have the option to work here if I can. So it's been um, very stressful, but I have some meetings coming up with things like the International Center at UND and stuff. So hopefully um, I can use some of those resources and they can really help me at least get my foot in the door and figure out what I'm doing. But I have been doing like dealing with the Canadian exchange. So our money obviously isn't worth the exact same amount and it's changing all the time. I'm not sure exactly where it's at right now, but Every swipe that I make, like on my card, I'm getting charged more than what the American price tag says. So if something that I'm purchasing is $20, I can expect probably like $24 to come out of my account. So I kind of just have to keep that in mind, especially when I'm making really big purchases or, you know, even if like I had to pay to get my card my car fixed or something like that, like a big chunk of money, like $600 
American, I'm probably paying closer to 800. So I kind of just have to keep that in the back of my mind all the time, especially because I use my credit card for everything. I have to watch my credit card limit. But what I'm purchasing, I'm having more money come out of my account. So I kind of just have to be constantly doing that math in my head just to make sure that I'm not, you know, just thinking I'm paying the American amount and going over my credit card limit. Cause obviously I don't want to hurt my credit score or anything like that. So that can definitely be stressful sometimes. Um, and even things like I'm trying to figure out how to do like my American taxes right now from working in the States. I, it's been a struggle. Like I know that you guys use things like TurboTax and things to file your taxes online. We don't really do that. We just take we just take our stuff into an accountant and they do it for us and that's how most Canadians I find do their taxes. Um but I can't just walk into a Canadian revenue agency with my American tax forms and have them file those. So it's kind of just things like that. Um, where I need to learn how to do those things for the future, especially because I am hoping to stay here. Yeah, that, that's a big transition. I mean, to be honest, I'm I'm still learning my, to be completely candid. Uh, my dad helped me with my taxes. Yeah. <laughs> he, he works in finance. So I'm just going to use that resource while I can. But yeah, no, it's definitely... It's definitely interesting trying to figure all that out. Mm -hmm. Well, and even just like, like you said, we're still kind of just learning. Like my mom has always, when I moved here and when I wasn't working in the States, um, I would get my Canadian tax returns back because I'd work every summer, but they would obviously get sent to my house when I was in school here. So my mom would kind of just take care of them for me. That was always just a luxury that I, I had. And now it's like, I have to learn how to do these things. Um, but I was pretty fortunate that she just kind of did those things for me while I was away. Cause it was hard for me to do obviously in a different country, but now I am doing things here and I'm going to have to learn to do those things on my own. And it is a little bit more difficult because, you know, I have to deal with things like being a non-citizen and things like that. So definitely a big learning curve. So something that I guess we haven't really touched on, though, is kind of there's been this shift in we're going to say like finance culture, budgeting gurus type of things um, about Dave Ramsey. I have strong opinions on that. I will try to keep them to myself for the most part because uh, we don't need a monologue of me bashing on him. <laughs> I mean, we can. But um, one of his mantras that has some benefit is paying cash for everything. Dave Ramsey's a lot of videos of him literally, you know, like cutting up people's credit cards with a scissor at, you know, his like speaking events. Um, say what you want about that. But does anyone have any like particularly helpful like budgeting money saving tips? I admittedly do pay cash for here I'll just give you my system. I basically pay cash for the things that I know I shouldn't be buying. Like if I go out to eat, I pay with cash. If I'm buying um, a new piece of clothing, I pay with cash. 
Um, cause I physically see the cash that I have in my wallet or wherever, you know, I'm keeping it. And then when it's gone, it's gone. Um, but then when I pay for like groceries or I'm paying for gas, if I, you know, have to pay for a doctor's appointment or buying a textbook that go, that all goes on my credit card. Um, so I'm kind of tracking that, but does anyone have thoughts on, you know, systems or Dave Ramsey, of course, but. I'm kind of the opposite of you, Claire. Like I, which is probably backwards to what most people think. I do not see cash as real money, which is kind of weird because it's physically in your hand and you can see it. But like, if it's not coming out of my bank account, I don't see it as a loss really. So I try to keep everything almost on my card. I didn't say before, but I have both a debit and a credit card. Um, Credit my credit card I usually use for more like essential things that I would always buy, like groceries, gas, things like that. But like my debit card, if I'm doing something fun, if I'm going out to dinner, buying clothing, that all goes on my debit card. Um, I try to keep a budget in my head of how much, um, which is probably bad. And I should probably write it down somewhere to keep myself more accountable. But, you know, we're still working out the kinks in the system. But I usually keep a track in my head of like different, like different items are in different categories. So like I might have a category for like events that I want to go to that I might spend money like for like hockey games or concerts and things like that versus like going out to dinner or clothing um, just so that I can keep myself accountable on like certain, like how much money I want to spend on certain events. Um, It's been pretty successful so far, but I think you know, working out the kinks, like I said, maybe writing it down could make it even better. I'm in the same boat. I feel like I, if I started writing down my budget, that would probably be better in the long run. But again, that's just another like adulting thing that, I mean, yes, obviously you can just Google it and, you know, watch some YouTube videos, but like, that's so overwhelming because there's just so many different narratives being thrown at you. And how do you know it's going to work for you? Cause you just have such, you know, limited amount of income coming in from these part-time jobs, but so much going out, as you said, it just, oh gosh. Yeah. In the same boat. I, I empathize. I totally get what you mean, Dominique, about saying like, you're not really seeing cash as like money coming out of your account. I I never have cash, but when I do have cash, I find I spend it like in the blink of an eye on like something like, and usually it's probably like getting fast food or something, but it's definitely a perspective thing and probably not a healthy way to look at it at all. But it's like that money has already come out of my account if I'm just carrying around $10 in my wallet, if I spend that $10, the balance in my bank account, when I go check my online banking, doesn't go down. So it just doesn't really register as like a purchase in my mind because I don't see that, like that negative balance come out of my account. So I totally get what you mean by that. And that's why I try not to carry cash because I know if I have cash, I am much more likely to spend it than actually putting my card in a machine and like having to process a transaction. I wonder if you could make that work for you almost though. Like if again, going on on budgeting, if you let yourself take out, you know, X amount of money as your cash purchases. And I mean, you, you said that you often would spend it on more like fun things like fast food or you know whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, 
that might actually work budgeting wise for you. Anyway, yeah, because if I take out that money, let's say like I allocated a certain amount to every paycheck that I got and I was like, okay, this is kind of just like my spending money for going out to dinner, um, fast food, small little purchases, coffee, whatever. And then once it was gone, like it's gone, that's my spending money. And once I spend it, then I've spent it. So that definitely could work if I just kind of allocated a certain amount for those more frivolous spending trips, I guess. But I would just have to make sure then that once it's gone, I'm not reaching for my credit card or something, you know, to replace that. I really love what you said, uh, Brooke, about perspective and how like different strategies might work better for different people. Like, I like that, like what you just said, like taking money out and that's your spending money. Like that might be really great for some people. Whereas like Claire, you were talking about how like you use cash for everything. So like maybe a different strategy would work better like for you. So I just think it's interesting that like just money habits for people could be very different and you got to kind of experiment to see what's really going to work best for you. Yeah. And like, like you said, I, um, I'm the same as you, like, I don't keep like a actual budget tracker or anything. You kind of just think of things in your head and go with the flow that way. But if you took out a little bit of cash just for one of those categories that you were talking about, that could at least be a little bit of a start into managing that instead of, you know, starting with the whole overwhelming budget tracker Excel sheet that one might do. Um, it would at least hold you somewhat accountable. Something that um, I know Discover offers credit card wise, Demi, you can probably attest to this as well, is you can, like, it does give you almost like a cute little pie chart of um, what those categories are. So some of my like recurring expenses, like Spotify, Netflix, that type of thing that goes into like a merchandise category or, um, Every time I purchase gas, like, you know, transportation costs, or if I were to order like an Uber or Lyft, that would go into that category. So that's kind of helpful for me when I do remember to actually look at it. Part of it, again, is just that self-discipline of remembering to look and check and staying on track. Um, but that's been kind of a helpful tool as I've started on this being an adult money journey stuff. It definitely helps with trying to budget things and cut things out of your bill. I'd say one last topic that we should probably talk about before we start wrapping up. Um, we won't get too political, but do you, do you guys think that it is possible to graduate debt-free, we'll just say undergrad, um, in today's current financial and economic environment? Yes, no, maybe circumstances, defend your answer. I think part of that, it, it depends, like, if you're paying for college yourself or if you are getting help from, like, your parents or grandparents or whoever you might know personally, you know. I found, though, like, with FAFSA stuff, they do take into account my parents' income. Obviously, that's how it works. But that expected contribution does not match um 
what what actually does come in and out. And I know a lot of students are in a similar boat there. So yeah, you raise a good point of whether or not you're expected to pay for it on your own. Is it reasonable for FAFSA or other financial aid offices to assume that you're getting outside help? Is that a privilege, a luxury? Obviously, it's a hot, hotly debated topic in regard to, you know, making college tuition free or how that system is going to work in future years for the U.S. I think it's just really a big, it depends. I mean, circling back to your original question about whether or not you can graduate debt free. um, I can speak for myself and say that I do not graduate debt free. Um, And I think a lot of what you're saying with FAFSA, you know, they calculate what my parents are expected to pay, but it doesn't match at all what really is the reality for a lot of students. But I know that I do have friends um, that have graduated debt-free, but everyone's situation is just a little bit different. And I think, you know, experiences from your past, whether or not you can get graduate, like um, whether or not you can get scholarships, I think it, it's a lot more complex than I think a lot of people want it to be. Uh, So I think it's just kind of going to be, you know, an ever going topic of whether or not it should be free or not. I know a lot of other countries do offer a lot cheaper options for university, but I don't know. I don't know how soon the U S will move to that, I guess, because it is very complex. Mm -hmm. I think, um, to touch a little on the Dave Ramsey topic, there is also kind of this other camp of you can you can graduate debt free if you just eat ramen noodles and live in a cardboard box and only go to classes. You know, um, there is that camp of that, which I mean, some people can do that. But there's also another, you know, thought process of, well, if if I'm in college, I want to experience different things. Obviously, you you want to go to a hockey game on a Friday night. And I don't think you going to a hockey game is going to ruin your finances as an adult. You know, like you're allowed to experience these things. You only get to be in college for X amount of years. Um, and I mean, some of those opportunities, like, you know, I have friends who go to like uh, SWE conferences, like Society of Women Engineers. Um, they do get some, you know, like assistance with that. But those opportunities that you have to pay for now are like networking opportunities. You're investing in yourself. Um, so I think that also kind of that mindset and perspective also plays a role into one's chances to graduate debt-free. Chances is a big word on that. Let's see, I know Demi, Demi and I already shared that we were both doing Discover stuff. Does anyone else have something different? I use the Wells Fargo college card. Um, and it's been very great. It does a lot of the same features that you guys have talked about with the discover card. Um, it offers a lot of different cash back opportunities on certain purchases, kind of like the ones that I've mentioned, like the essentials, like gas, grocery, pharmaceutical things like that, which is really nice. You know, that's also kind of a little fun, little benefit that you get at the end of the month when you get 20 bucks back, uh, for really not doing anything besides doing what you normally do. So Brooke, what card do you, you, do you use as an international student? My card is from the Royal Bank of Canada, RBC. And it's like, uh, okay. If I'm being really honest, me and my family, 
we're pretty sure that I was sent um, like an application for the wrong card because I have a really good credit card with a really high limit and like really great Avion points and things like that, which is where I live. Like most people don't have this card. So, and I didn't do anything special that I probably should have to get this card. So we think that I was maybe just sent the wrong card and um, we contacted them about it and they were just like, okay, you could just keep using it. So I did get really lucky with mine. Um, but I haven't explored like all of the features that it can do. I know that I can use points as rewards. Um, like if I do go on a trip anytime soon, I will definitely be booking my, um, like my flights with credit card points instead, which I am really excited about that. Um, knowing that I probably could fly somewhere and just use credit card points instead of taking that money out of my pocket. Um, especially because I'm not really like someone who travels a lot, mostly for financial reasons. I feel like most college kids are in the same boat, but having that to kind of fall back on is really nice. But I don't think that that was intentional by my bank card. Um, the interest rate is a little bit higher it's a card that obviously has more features than just like your standard student card. Um, but my interest rate is a little bit higher than that. Um, it's been really great and I do really like it and I'll probably stick for a while. Um, but I am then probably hoping after graduation to hopefully switch most of my banking to American um, banking. So I do have a Wells Fargo debit card here that I do have that I use sometimes. I mostly only use my credit card, but I do have a debit account here at Wells Fargo that I use. And um, mostly I just use that for my work deposits. That's how I'm able to get my money um, through here because I can't put that onto my Canadian cards. So, but that's kind of just like a backup card and then I use PayPal a lot to do international transfers just because it's pretty much the cheapest option out there if you're making international transfers because trying to internationally wire money across your accounts can get extremely expensive. Thanks everyone for coming on here today. I think that it was really interesting to talk about kind of different financial situations. It's definitely really reassuring to talk to other students about like money stressors and that. So um, you can visit our website, dakotastudent.com, if you want to check out some of those articles that we mentioned on some money saving tips and building your credit score. Those are some really good reads, but thanks for coming on today, everyone. 